Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. The book of Hebrews in chapter 12, beginning at verse 1. Hebrews 12, verse 1. Father, we thank you for the privilege of studying your word together tonight. We do so in the name of Jesus, inviting the Holy Ghost to be our teacher and to be our guide. We thank you for utterance in the Holy Ghost to proclaim truth in demonstration of the Spirit and of power that our faith would not stand in men's wisdom but in the power of God. I thank you for ears to hear, hearts to receive, and minds that are open. We'll give you all the praise that are, that's due your name, Father God, is... We look to you tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. In the book of Hebrews in chapter 12, beginning at verse 1, it says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto our denomination, looking unto man, Looking at the circumstances, well, it says looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of God, at the throne of God, for consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. I want to talk to you about being encouraged to run your race for the Lord. That is to live your Christian life the way he wants you to live it. You will notice here the writer compares the Christian life to that of a race that is run against time in a Roman outdoor coliseum. And just like today back then what they did was they used weights so that when they practice or exercise they would be used to carrying more weight than their normal body weight. And then when it came time for the race, they would remove from themselves all of the excess weight, and of course, they'd be a lot lighter, wouldn't they? And they would run a better race, because they would build their muscles up with the extra weight, and then they'd go off and run the best race that they possibly could. Well, beloved, when we become believers, we enter into the race of life. We are in this life, to live for Him. And we're racing against time. We only have a certain amount of time to accomplish the purposes of God as far as our lives are concerned. And when we come in, it is our responsibility and duty to rid ourselves of the excess baggage that we brought into our Christian experience. Remember Paul said, put off from yourself lying, put off from yourself stealing, put off from yourself cheating. Put off from yourself adultery. Put off from yourself fornication and all these different things. Put those off of yourself because they will weigh you down and they will hold you back and you won't be as successful as far as running your race for the Lord Jesus Christ. He also says here, you are to look to Jesus. Why? What is the reason, the purpose for that? So that we don't weary and faint. 
If we have our eyes on our denomination, we'll weary and faint. If we have our eyes on our circumstances, we'll weary and faint. But if we have our eyes on Jesus, we won't faint. If we have our eyes on our denomination, we'll faint. If we have our eyes on our religious experience, we'll faint. But if we keep our focus on Jesus, thank God we won't faint. If we look to man and expect man to do what God and only God can do, we will faint. You'll, you'll expect man to be to you what God should be. You will faint. Don't go into any church thinking that you're going to trust in men to be flawless and have no imperfections whatsoever because you'll faint in your mind trying to find a church of that caliber. That is an impossibility. Can you say amen? For the moment you walked into it, it became imperfect. Amen. We're all human beings and we're all imperfect. Amen. Well, beloved, one of the weights that I want to talk about that we all have to be mindful of is the weight of discouragement. You know, the Bible says that a good word spoken in due season, how good it is. We all need to be encouraged in our race. Anyone know the value of being encouraged or a word of encouragement? I remember one time I was, well, this was in the summertime and it was a hot day and I was doing my usual jog and I was pretty well into it and I had pretty many miles behind me and I had, well, I got to the place that I had a pretty good pace going, but it was hot. I like to jog in the afternoon when it's hot and all that and the sun's beating down on your head and, you know, you're getting dehydrated and getting a little bit weary and I'm running down River Road right by the Ohio River over there in Beaver and I'm just minding my own business and there's oftentimes a lot of people over there and this one fella just hollered out from the sideline. I don't know if he was probably a jogger himself or somebody who was, you know, an athletic person or whatever, but he hollered out and said, you got a pretty good pace going, keep it up. You know, when I heard those words, it's like a burst of adrenaline just began to rise up on the inside of me and all the weariness just, just passed away. And it was like something was added to my inner spiritual strength. See, and I just kept on going all the more. But I was encouraged by his words. Do you see what I'm talking about? It's so important to be mindful of the fact that we should always be one to encourage others in their race. Don't be known as a discourager. Be an encourager. And also be mindful of the fact that other people need to be encouraged. You be the person to be mindful of the fact that that person sitting next to you also needs to be encouraged, just like you need to be encouraged. Well, what I want us to do is, is to back up to the book of, uh, in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, one chapter back, because what I'd like to do is share with you about a cloud of witnesses that are there in the grandstands that the Bible talks about as being heroes and heroines of faith whose lives encourage us by witnessing and testifying to the fact that we too can finish our course in this generation just as they finished their course in their generation. Did you get all that? Notice the first word over there in Hebrews 12, 1 was wherefore, seeing that we're encompassed about by such a great cloud of witnesses. You know what he's talking about? Wherefore, meaning that whole chapter 11 reveals to us the heroes and heroines of faith that are mentioned that are in the grandstands of heaven that are up there, whose lives serve as witnesses and testimonies to encourage us, to let us know 
we can win our race because they won theirs. Now, I realize that we're living at a dark time in, in life. I realize that the world is set on fire. I realize there's terrorism all around us. I realize that there's immorality all around us. I realize that there's murder all around us and stealing and cheating and upheaval in every area of life. I realize the economy is not always stable. But, beloved, it was no different for them back then. They had hard times. They had terrorism. They had immorality. They had all kinds of things to deal with. They had worldly temptations. But the bottom line is they finished their course. The bottom line is they ran their race. And they're right now in the grandstands of heaven looking down over us. And they are cheering us on with words of encouragement. And I am going to play the part tonight and share with you the words of encouragement that these people of faith, these heroes and heroes of faith, have for every single one of us tonight in our generation. And I want to encourage you as an individual to live your life for God. I want to encourage you to live a life of excellence in your personal life, in your family life, in your church life, in your workplace, in your community, and in your nation. I want to encourage you because if they did it, you can do it also. We all can do it. Can you say amen, somebody? Come on, I'm preaching better than you're responding right now. Can somebody say amen? amen? Hallelujah. Glory to God. That's true. So I encourage you. And even young people, our young people, they have got to have the right kind of a mindset. They need to know that they need to be of the mindset that says we're well able to take our generation for Jesus just like Joshua and Caleb took theirs. Can you say amen? Amen. We're well able to get through the burning, fiery furnace of this life just as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did it in their day. And there's no lion's den that we can't conquer by our God. Glory. Young people. On fire for God. Well, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 4. These are the testimonies and these are the lives that give witness to the fact that we can succeed in finishing our course for God. By faith, Abel. Everybody say Abel. Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. Now, if you're discouraged because you doubt your salvation, you doubt your experience in God, you doubt whether or not you're going to make it, maybe you just doubt, 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 doubt that you really even know God like you should know God, I've got some good news for you. I want you to listen to Abel as he stands up and someone hands him the microphone over there in the grandstands of heaven and he says, now listen down there. I want you to know something. Back in my day when I lived, my parents told me that the way to heaven was through a blood sacrifice. And although my brother Cain came along and tried to discourage me and tell me the only way you're going to make it is by the works of your own hands. And he labored and worked and worked and he labored and presented to God the works of his own hands. He was rejected But you see, I may have been tempted there for a while, but I said, no, my parents, Adam and Eve, they told me I've got to have a sacrifice of an innocent animal. I have to offer up its innocent blood and by it I would be saved and my eternity would be secure. I trusted in that blood, not in myself. I trusted in what they told me. I believe what God said. And I want you to know that even though my life was taken, my blood yet began to speak out unto God. 
I want you to know that you've got something better than what I had way back when I lived in just generation. You have got the blood of the living Lamb of God who was slain from the foundation of the world. There is no need for you to doubt your salvation. The blood of the Lord Jesus Christ is far superior to any animal sacrifice that was ever offered up to God. So don't doubt your salvation. Get yourself under the blood. No matter what you've encountered in your life, no matter what you've done or how far you've fallen away, the blood of Jesus is all sufficient. Can somebody say amen? amen. Now, now lift your hands to heaven and thank God for the blood. Oh, glory. Glory, 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 glory. There's no need to be discouraged. Be encouraged. The blood of Jesus is sufficient. And it's not by the works that you have done. Oh, hallelujah for the blood of the Lamb. Glory. Verse 5. By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death. Enoch is also in the grandstands of heaven whose life is there to give witness and to testify or testimony to the fact that even though you may be out there and you're thinking that I am the only one in my family or among the people that I associate with that serves God and you're discouraged because maybe you go back home and you're the only one. Maybe you go to the workplace and you're the only one. Maybe you have some friends out there and and they don't seem to want to serve God like you do. I've got some words of encouragement for you from Enoch. Enoch lived on this earth 365 years. And in the process of his life, he lived at a particular time when the heart of man was getting darker and darker and more wicked every day that went by. As a matter of fact, it was that time that was leading up to the flood of Noah in Noah's time. And he's up there in the grandstands of heaven. He's looking down over this place and saying, Look, while I lived upon that earth, I want you to know that I saw people live and die that didn't want to serve God. But it didn't faze me one bit. It did not bother me one iota. I kept my focus I stayed close to God. I walked so close to God that in my 365th year, I was not. I woke up one morning, I was kneeling my knees praying before God. Next thing I knew, I was in heaven. Taken off, taken out of here by the hand of God. That's Enoch's testimony. And beloved, we have a whole lot more than Enoch had. We've got the whole counsel of God. So it doesn't matter who is out there not serving God. You can. Be encouraged. Develop your own relationship with God and serve Him all the days of your life. Verse 7. By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Everybody say Noah. Now, if you're out there and you're discouraged... Because your family out there needs to be saved. You shouldn't be busy being discouraged and doing things that are going to promote the work of the enemy in their lives. Noah is in the grandstands of heaven and he's saying this. Look, 
at my day, in my day, in my generation, man's heart was wicked. And I had a concern for my family. But if I was about doing my own thing, I wouldn't do anything to help save them. So what I did was I heard from God. I did what God told me to do, and I built that ark. I was so consumed with building that ark. I was so busy with building that ark to the saving of my house that I didn't let anything else bother me. And I worked and I labored and I worked and I labored by day and by night, by day and by night, all those years. And finally got that thing finished and praise God when the time came, my whole family came into the house with me, came into the ark with me. Now, beloved, we have something a whole lot better than what Noah had. Instead of being discouraged, instead of looking at the circumstances, instead of being full of doubt and unbelief, we've got to get busy building the ark for the saving of our house. Amen. Start looking to God. Start looking at Jesus. Be encouraged and say, Thank you, Father, for the saving of my house. Thank you, Father, for the saving of my family. Thank you, Father, for the saving and the salvation of my children. Thank you, Father God, for all my family members. I want to see them in glory. Don't be discouraged. Be encouraged. We've got something better than what Noah had. Can you say amen? Absolutely. And then over there in in verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out, fully aware of God's plan and purpose. Having it all blueprinted out in full detail. Color-coded and highlighted and everything. No. If you're discouraged because you have no direction... If you're discouraged because it seems like there's no guidance for your life and, you know, what you should be doing... Be encouraged by faithful Abraham. Listen to what Abraham has to say up there in the grandstands of heaven looking out there over your life. Here's what he has to say. My life is a testimony and a witness that if all you'll do is be obedient to step out in God, knowing what you know to do and doing what you know to do, then God Almighty, even though you may not know where you're going, God Almighty will direct and order your steps. He'll eventually step by step make the way plain before you. And praise God, you'll have everything unfold before you one step at a time if you will but step out and obey God. So don't be discouraged. And don't be talking about how you don't know what God wants you to do. There's enough revelation in the Word of God for you to get up, step out, and move on in God. Start doing what you know to do and step out. You've got a whole lot more than I had. Thank God we've got the Holy Ghost on the inside of us as our travel guide. See, he stepped out not knowing what God wanted him to do. He was just concerned about looking for a city whose builder and maker was God. Can you say amen, somebody? That's what he was concerned about. That's what he was looking for. And that's what we should be busy about doing. Seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the other things of life will be added to us. And then we move on down to verse 11. Through faith, also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Now listen, are you discouraged out there because you've been denied in your life? Maybe there's some things that you've wanted in life, but seemingly you've been denied like Sarah was denied having a child all these many years in her life. I don't know what it is that you may be, may be looking for or what is, whatever it is that you might desire, but if you feel denied, like you don't have all the things that you want that, God, that maybe you feel like you really desire to have in life, or you've been cheated or shortchanged some way in your own life, I want you to know something. 
Sarah is up there in the grandstands of heaven. Her life serves as a witness and a testimony that even at the ripe old age of 90, nothing is too difficult for God. For the God that you serve. Don't give up, don't lose heart, and don't faint. She's saying to you, know that your God is faithful. Know that your God is trustworthy. Know that your God is there. And if you'll just line up and step out in God, He'll see to it that He provides all that you need. So instead of complaining and acting as if He's not there, rise up, rejoice. He'll give you the desires of your heart. They will be fulfilled in their season and in due time. That's what she's saying. That's what her life spells out. That's what her life represents. That's what it says. That's why they're listed here. We're to be encouraged by their lives. Look at the next one. Go on down to verse 20. By faith, Isaac. Everybody say Isaac. Isaac. Bless Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. But let's start with Isaac. Isaac is an individual whose life represents those who are tempted to be discouraged because of famine or because of a lean season. What do you mean by that? Well, we all always, people always go through times, hard times, when maybe there's not enough or a full supply. Everybody's encountered hard places in life. And some people get absolutely discouraged, overwhelmed because seemingly their needs are not being met. Wondering where we're going to get the money to pay the bills. How are we going to send the kids off to school or pay for uh, a wedding or whatever the case may be. Lean times, times of famine. And there's a temptation within our hearts to hoard everything that we have to make ends meet. Well, here Isaac is one who is in the grandstands of heaven, who is an example and a testimony to us of one who instead of hoarding all that he had in times of famine, he sowed out of his need. He gave. And as a result of his giving in lean times, God gave back to Isaac 100-fold return on all that he gave. Think about that. So don't be discouraged, but be encouraged. And listen to what Isaac has to say. God will bless you if you'll step out in faith. God will bless you if you'll sow your seed. And especially in the hard places, and especially at hard times... In lean times, in times of famine, if you will but honor God, God Almighty will honor you and He'll bless you a hundredfold. Now hold that thought and hold your place there. I want you to see something in 1 Kings. Go on back to 1 Kings. And look at chapter 17. Put your bookmark back there in Hebrews. We're going to go back to it in a moment. Just to show you another illustration of that same truth. Don't be discouraged in hard times. Don't be discouraged in lean times. Don't be discouraged because there's a famine. Put God first. Give to God first. 
See, when you preach along that line, someone thinks, oh, you're just doing that to make sure that the church prospers in lean times and you're not concerned about the people of God, whether or not they have anything to eat. Oh, please. Please. Read these verses of Scripture with me and I'll show you what I'm talking about. 1 Kings 17, verse 8, And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, that is the prophet Elijah, Arise, get thee to Seraphath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. And he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he, and he called, her, called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray, thee a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise, and behold, I am gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat and die. That's pretty bad. She was pretty certain, wasn't she? In other words, I've got a little bit left in the house. We're just going to eat this. This is going to be our going home meal. We're going to eat and die. That's it. And Elijah said to her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and for thy son. What he's actually saying is give to God first, and then go make for you and your son. Did you hear that? Everybody said to me, give to God first, and then to yourself. Okay, now listen. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruse of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days. In my margin it says a full year. You ready for that? She gave to God first out of her need. She had one morsel left. They were going to split it and die. But she gave to God first. And when she put God first, that little bit of meal, that little bit of oil never failed for one entire year. They ate off it for an entire year until God sent rain back on the earth. Boy, I'll tell you what, that doesn't make you shout. Something is wrong. So listen to what Isaac is saying. Let his life be a living testimony and a witness unto all of us who have experienced the hard places in life that if you'll still put God first, hallelujah, he'll bring a hundredfold back into your possession. Glory to God. Going back to the book of Hebrews now, if you would please. Chapter 11 and verse 21. By faith... Jacob. Everybody say Jacob. When he was a dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worship, leaning upon the top of his staff. But let's stop at, back at the life of Jacob. Jacob was a rebellious, defiant individual. As a matter of fact, he had a unique talent and ability. He could make his relatives so mad that they wanted to kill him. 
Esau wanted to kill his brother Jacob, his twin brother Jacob. He ran from his house as a fugitive, as a deceiver, as a rebellious individual who had no concern for anybody but himself. Well, if you're out there and you think your life will never amount to anything because you've rebelled, you've done things wrong, you've angered your whole household, you've got everybody mad at you, you think God's mad at you, I want you to listen to the testimony of Jacob. In flight, one night, he pillows his head upon the rocks. And while he's asleep, he has a dream. God gives him this dream and shows him certain things. And when he wakes up, he calls the place Bethel, house of God, because God visited him there at that place and took a rebellious fugitive who had no concern for anybody else but himself and turned him into a humble, caring, obedient individual who vowed to God that if he would bless him and use him, that he would give back to God the tenth of all that God gave him. Look in Genesis 28. Hold your place there in the book of Hebrews. Genesis 28. Start with verse 16. And Jacob awaked out of his sleep and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place and I knew it not. He was afraid and said, How dreadful is this place? This is none other but the house of God and this is the gate of heaven. He rose up early in the morning, took the stone that he had put on his head for a pillow, set it up for a pillar, and poured oil upon the top of it. Skip on down to verse 20, and he vowed a vow, saying, If God will be with me, and will keep me in this way that I go, and will give me bread to eat, and raiment to put on, so that I come again to my father's house in peace. See, he was running in terror, a fugitive, rebellious, from his father's house. Then shall the Lord be my God. And this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. To make a long story short, Jacob, on his way, you know the story. He met Rachel and Leah, worked for his father-in-law. And over a process of time, a period of time, God blessed Jacob so much. He became so wealthy that one day, years later, he came back to his father's house looking to make reconciliation with his brother Esau. Think about it. He left that place with a stick, a fugitive, a staff. He comes back humble, wealthy, obedient to God, a tither. 
It doesn't matter how awful a person's life is. Don't get discouraged, but be encouraged. Let Jacob speak to you from the grandstands of heaven and let his life give witness and testimony to the fact that you can be a loser, so to speak, all your life. But if you'll turn your life to God, if you'll look to Him to honor Him and obey Him, He'll wipe all that away from you and make even your enemies to be at peace with you. And that's exactly what happened when he went back. Oh, let that life be a testimony and be encouraged by the life of Jacob. Now look at Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 22. By faith, Joseph, everybody say Joseph. Joseph represents people whose lives have been one of shattered dreams. And you are discouraged because of broken dreams, shattered dreams. You have these high hopes for your life. You had all this that you thought that you'd experience and enjoy in life. But you're just discouraged because you don't see anything unfolding the way you planned it, the way you thought it would. And so you're discouraged because your dreams are shattered. Well, God gave Joseph a dream. And in that dream, he saw some glorious things ahead for his life. In his enthusiasm, he began to share that dream with his own family. Only to find out what? They were jealous of him. See, if you're discouraged because of shattered dreams, listen to the life of Joseph. Listen to his testimony giving witness to you to be encouraged. Because even though it seems as though nothing is happening, if you'll but look beyond that to God, God will make it come to pass. He found himself in a well. His father was told that he had died. He was sold into slavery. He found himself in jail. If there was anybody that had a reason to be discouraged because of shattered dreams, it would have been Joseph. Oh, he thought there was so much that, that was out there for him ahead of him. But he found himself finally ending up in jail and his family, as far as he was concerned, didn't even know he was alive. What an existence. What an opportunity to be discouraged. But what does Joseph do? He stays focused. He looks unto God. He stays poised. He looks beyond his circumstances. He looks beyond man. He looks beyond the traditions of men. And he looks to see the hope that he has in his great God because that's who he trusts in. And God takes him and God raises him up and makes him a prime minister over all the land of Egypt. And God takes his life and uses his life to secure the very lives of his own family and brethren. And when there's a reunion that takes place among the family members, he holds not one grudge against any of them, but takes him into his bosom and loves them because there's something greater than being right. His dreams are all fulfilled. Joseph, in the grandstands of heaven, saying, don't be discouraged because your dreams are shattered. But be encouraged and look beyond. Look to Jesus. You've got something better than I had. You've got Jesus, the author, and the finisher of your faith. And then move on down to verse 23. 
by faith Moses. How many of you realize that Moses' parents are in the Faith Hall of Fame? By faith Moses was hid three months of his parents. What does his life represent? What does his life give witness to in the grandstands of heaven? Discouraging moments in child rearing. Think about it. Many of you out there right now, as parents, you might be thinking it's a hard road to hoe rearing up children in this generation. What about when, when the Pharaoh would have all your male children killed, thrown into the river at the time of their birth? Why? He doesn't want them to overpopulate. He wants them all dead. He wants the, the, the Israel, Israeli people to, re, to remain weak. He's concerned for his own kingdom. So kill them all. Did that discourage the parents of Moses? No. A thousand times, no. They were encouraged in the Lord their God. They said, no, we're not going to give in to that. We're not going to fear the devil. Saints of God, listen to the parents of Moses in the grandstands of heaven. Don't fear the devil. Don't fear the world. Don't fear what's out there when it comes to rearing up your children. Make a place for them in God and hide them secure in His bosom. Just as the parents of Moses did. See the good and the goodly things that are in them and hide them in the bosom of God. You let God get a hold of them. Don't be afraid to turn them over to God. You talk about abandoning your child to God in a river, in a basket. Can you do that? Think about that. We say you've got to turn your children over to God. What about what they did? Put them in a river. Totally given to God. Oh, let their lives speak to you and tell you. You can make it, parent. You can do something that will secure the destiny of your child. But don't be discouraged. Be encouraged. Can you say amen? And then look at verse 24. Moses. Oh, the life of Moses that speaks from the grandstands of heaven. You discouraged because you don't have wealth and riches and fame and fortune? Are you discouraged because your name is not on a placard somewhere in Hollywood or across a TV credit? Are you? Moses had the world offered at his fingertips. Wealth, fame, fortune, recognition, power, everything a human being would long for. What does that represent in your life? Is it wealth? Is it riches? Is it a woman that you shouldn't have? Is it a lifestyle that you shouldn't have? Materialism? Is that where your heart is at? Don't be deceived by riches, Moses is saying. Listen to his life, his testimony from the grandstands of heaven. Refuse all this world has to offer. Choose to suffer persecution and affliction with the household of God. Esteem the reproaches of Christ to be greater than all the wealth and riches the world has to offer. And if you will, 
God will all add all the other things to your life that you need and desire. That's what His life says. It perfumes the very air that we breathe. Look at what it speaks to our hearts and our lives. Don't be discouraged because you don't have material wealth and riches. Seek God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. God will add what you need to your life. God took care of Moses. Think about it. At 120, his eyes did not grow dim. His natural force was not abated. Oh, yeah, Pharaoh is in the background laughing. Oh, you could have had it all. You could have had it all. The devil's laughing. You could have had it all. You could have had anything your heart desired if you just would fall down and worship me. But let me tell you, after 2,500 years of Pharaoh burning in the very flames of hellfire itself, Moses appeared with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration and said, I told you I'd made the right choice. Something to think about. All the wealth and the riches didn't do Pharaoh one bit of good in the caverns of the damned. Don't be discouraged. Choose God. And finally, we have another one. Look at verse 31. By faith, the harlot Rahab. What does the harlot Rahab represent as far as a human life is concerned? Are you discouraged because your life was soiled, spoiled, ruined? You lost every ounce of dignity that you possessed? A prostitute given to who knows how many men, ungodly men that used her and abused her and wasted a valuable, precious human life, marred and marked, written with guilt and guilt consciousness of no use to society, an embarrassment to her children, an embarrassment to her family. Boy, I've got some news for you. Listen to Rahab, the harlot, the prostitute, as she stands in the grandstands of heaven and says to all of us, the God that you serve can take a life that's ruined. He can take a life that's spoiled. He can take a life that has no dignity whatsoever left, not one ounce. And He can wipe away the guilt. He can wipe away the soil. He can wipe away the mire. He can wipe away the clay. He can wipe that slate clean and make it pure as if it never had happened or existed. The blood of the Lamb is all sufficient. And that blood has ushered me into the gates of heaven and I stand my life as a witness and a testimony to all of you. Don't be discouraged because you've lived a life of sin. Come to Jesus. He'll wash you. He'll make you clean. He'll rid your consciousness of the guilt and the condemnation 
He'll make you pure and holy. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that we're encompassed about by this great cloud of witnesses, the testimony, the witness of the heroes and the heroines of faith, make your decision that you are going to run your race with patience. You're going to give place to God, allowing Him to unveil and unfold the future that He has for you. You are going to pursue by setting aside the weights and the hindrances that would hold you back. And you are not going to look to man. You're not going to look to your denomination. You're not going to look to your circumstances, but you're going to look to Jesus beyond. So you don't worry and faint in your race in the course of life so that you can finish your course and obtain the prize. I want to close with a scripture in the book of Revelation in chapter 3. And this I'm going to pick up on Sunday morning. Beloved, these messages, I believe, are coming from the throne of God for a purpose. We are committing to a life of excellence, excellence in life and ministry. And God is giving us what we need to rise up to a place to go forth and continue on successfully. He is setting the tone for this upcoming year. Are you ready? Are you moving on and moving out and stepping up in God? Verse 7. There is a prize for you to win. Don't let someone else steal your crown. I'm going to preach that on Sunday morning. There is a prize to obtain. There is a crown to win. Don't let someone else steal your crown. Listen. Verse 7, Revelation 3. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, which is brotherly love, write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth, and shutteth and no man openeth. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door. Thank God. That no man can shut it. God sets an open door, no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie, behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet, and to know that I have loved thee. Why? Because thou hast kept the word of my patience. I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Behold, I come quickly, hold fast which thou hast, that no man take your crown. You want to be crowned at the end of your race? God has a purpose for your life. God has something for you to do, for all of us to do. Every single one of us. That represents your prize. And if all He wants you to do is usher at Christian assembly until you go home and be with the Lord, when you go home because you have not been distracted, you have not fallen away, but you did what the Lord said to do, you'll receive the crown. You'll receive your prize. You'll be rewarded for all that's been done. Just as anybody else is rewarded. 
If all God asks you to do is to play a musical instrument, to praise with your voice, if all He asks you to do is to volunteer in this area or that area or do this or do that, and you do it faithfully, you do it with all your heart as unto the Lord, I want you to know that when you enter those pearly gates, Jesus will meet you, Jesus will greet you, He'll say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant, this is your crown. But if you're out there and you say, Somebody else can usher. Somebody else can play an instrument. Somebody else can be a greeter at the door. Let somebody else do it. That somebody else is someone you're letting take your crown. Because I tell you right now, God will get somebody to do it. And in closing, if you recall the story of Esther and Mordecai, Mordecai said to, to Esther those very words. If you don't open your mouth, Esther, Queen Esther, and you don't let God use you for the deliverance of the Jewish people, then God will use somebody else. We're not going to die. The choice is yours. Let God use you or God will use somebody else. See, that's what this is all about. That's why they're up there. They're encouraging us because they're saying, you think there's no prize to be won? You think you have a tough down here? It was no different when we lived. There were dark days. There was terrorism. There was wildfire. There was a world set ablaze with immorality and adultery and fornication, homosexuality, lesbianism and all that. Oh, wake up, people of God, and know there is a prize to be won. There is a race to win. And run as one who is running to obtain the prize and let no man take your crown. Be encouraged by these heroes and heroines of faith. And go on with God. Let's stand together before the Lord. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.